The following program is a production of the Fairfax Network, Fairfax County Public Schools. This book was sort of like a roller coaster ride, like filled with like emotions. There's some people like even now, girls that go through this stuff, and sometimes they feel like they can't tell anyone. But I feel like if maybe they read this book, they'll realize that, you know, they can talk to people as long as they trust them, they can always get help. today are doing well and staying safe. Last March, author Barbara D was scheduled to join us in the MTA studio, but then the COVID-19 pandemic turned the world upside down. However, we decided the show must go on and today I'm excited to welcome Barbara D from her home. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's awesome to have you here. Also joining me are two students, Kaylee from Key Middle School and Sophie from Lewis High School. Both have read Barbara's book, Maybe He Just Likes You, and will be helping me with this interview. Barbara D is the author of 11 middle grade books. Her most recent title is My Life in the Fish Tank. Some other titles include Star Crossed, Everything I Know About You, Halfway Normal, Truth or Dare, and many more. Barbara, like I said, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Could you tell us a little about yourself? Did you always want to be a writer? I did, actually. Um, I can share with you my very first book <laughs> that what? I wrote when I, when I was five. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so awesome. Well, it's about a boy who has a robot who smokes a pipe and eats Spanish rice. <laughs> I wrote it when oh. I was five. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've always been I've always been interested in writing. When I was in seventh grade, I kept a journal. Um, I was an English teacher for a while, a high school English teacher, and then I went to law school. But I always thought that I would write something one day. And when my youngest kid was in kindergarten, I thought, OK, here's my chance to try to get published. I wrote a manuscript, sent it around. It didn't get an offer, but my second manuscript did, and I've been writing books ever since. Wow, that's amazing. I know that it can be so hard to um, have the perseverance to keep going when you have a dream like that. So that's amazing that your second attempt made it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's really the hardest thing about being a writer is, is, is not giving up because you're going to get a lot of rejections. You just are. Um, but if you really want to do it, you know, you should, you should keep it up. You should, you should not give up. Well, I would love to see your original book of the robot who likes to <laughs> I will be looking forward to that coming out soon, I hope. Um, but I'd like to ask you, uh, many of your books are geared towards middle school age students. Why do you prefer writing for that age group? I just think kids in middle school are fascinating because they're going through so much in their lives. 
their relationships are so fluid. Um, kids that you thought were your friends one day are all of a sudden not quite your friends the next day, and you're figuring that out. Um, you're also plugged into the world. Um, kids in middle school have access to all kinds of information, and they're processing it, and they're trying to figure out what it means. And sometimes they're um, they're feeling like they can't talk about it because it's very threatening or it's upsetting and but it doesn't mean that they're not aware of it so i feel like it's really important to write books that address the issues that kids are very aware of and um help them guide them through some of these issues so that they feel like the world is paying attention to them and cares about how they are processing this stuff one thing too is um that i would add to that is that sometimes when you have a wonderful book, um, especially like maybe he just likes you that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, sometimes it gives kids the words that they don't even know yet to, to speak about these issues. That's right. And that's one of the most important parts of maybe he just likes you when the teacher says what you are going through has a name. It's called sexual harassment. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, lights go off in the main character's head. The same thing is true in Starcrossed when her sister tells her, um, yes, there is a word for what you are feeling with your emotions. It's called, you know, bisexuality. All of a sudden, having a word can, can transform the way you think about yourself. So I think it's really important. You hit on that as well in um, your newest book, um, and when she's kind of learning those uh, scientific words at the end for my life in a fish tank. So I think that's an interesting theme that you follow through all these books. That's right. I mean, knowing that her brother, the main character's brother, there's a word for what he's going through. He is he is he he is facing um, a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, and that explains his behavior, it's also very reassuring because if you know that there is a word for something, you know that you are not the only person in the world who's experiencing these things. Other people are too, and that's why we do have words for these things. So um, Barbara, could you give us um, a little bit of an overview of Maybe He Just Likes You? Maybe He Just Likes You is about a girl named Mila, who is a normal seventh grade girl with a group of friends. She plays trumpet in the band. And all of a sudden, she's aware that there's a group of boys that she calls the basketball boys, um, because that's what they do at lunch, who are paying attention to her in a way that makes her feel uncomfortable. And she can't quite put her finger on what it is about their behavior that's, that's making her feel this way. But as time goes on, it's happening more and more. And she becomes aware that it's kind of a game to these boys. Um, and she doesn't know what to do when she tells her friends. Her friends have some reactions that she didn't anticipate. One friend tells her, maybe he just likes you. Maybe, you know, he's just flirting with you and you shouldn't be such a baby about it. Another friend says you should tell uh, an authority figure at school. But for various reasons, that doesn't feel comfortable to her. And eventually, um, she figures out how to stand up for herself. And part of that solution has to do with taking karate. Well, thank you. Um, I think it's time for us to turn this interview over to our students who have some questions. 
about maybe he dislikes you. Um, who has the first question for Miss D? That would be me. Hi, did the hashtag MeToo movement inspire Mila's story? It did directly. Um, I was listening to the news a lot in the winter of 2018, and all the stories were Me Too stories. And um, some of the stories that were coming out had to do with high school. And I was thinking, boy, you know, this behavior that's happening in high school probably didn't start in high school. Where did it start? And I did a bunch of research, and I found that a lot of educational experts say it starts in middle school, specifically in seventh grade. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to interview a middle school psychologist um, who, and I asked her, do you see this kind of behavior in your middle school? And she said, I never see it. And the reason I never see it is because it tends to happen when grownups aren't looking. It happens in the hallways, it happens at lunch, it happens on the bus. Um, but I know it's going on all the time because I hear about it in one of two ways. It's never the case that the girl who's experiencing it comes to me, but frequently a group of girls will come to me and say, our friend is being targeted and we don't know what to do about it. Or even more commonly, a group of kids who've always been friends are suddenly fighting with each other. And when she sits them all down and says, what's going on with you guys? You've always been friends. Why are you, you know, what's all this tension about? Frequently at the heart of the tension is that one of the girls in the group is being targeted, is being sexually harassed, and the other girls don't know what to do about it. And when I heard that, I thought, I think there's stuff here for a book because I never like to approach a story from one direction. And when I heard about the tensions in the group, um, the tensions with her other friends, many of whom are girls, um, I thought I can approach this topic from different directions. And I started writing and I wrote it really fast. It just came out of me. It was the fastest book I've ever written. And I think we have another question. This one from Kaylee. Um, hello. So Hi. my question is, are any of the are any parts of the book based on real life experiences that you've um, that you've experienced personally? You know, sometimes I write a book and it really is based on my personal experience. Like there's stuff in my life in the fish tank, my new book that really comes from my family's experience with my oldest son's cancer. Um, but maybe he just likes you is really not about anything specific that happened to me when I was in middle school. Um, but I did have some experience in middle school with harassment from boys um, in the hall. And I drew on that. It's not specifically an experience that um, I incorporated into the book, but sometimes you have what I call emotional memories. And these are memories, these are um, experiences that you had that you draw on because you remember how they made you feel. So I drew on that a lot for Maybe He Just Likes You, but the actual events in the plot of Maybe He Just Likes You did not happen to me. And Sophie, I believe you have another question for Missy. Uh, yes, did you write the male counselor in the book to be clueless to Mila's situation on purpose? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, but in fairness to him, 
he comes through at the end. He shows a willingness to learn. You know, he sits down with them at the end and he and he's, you know, he's really listening. And also, I would say that, you know, Miss Fender, the band teacher who had been sexually harassed herself, is clueless. So and the mom is clueless, too. Right. I mean, she the mom keeps asking, is something going on? But she doesn't quite pick up on the signs that what her daughter's going through is sexual harassment. So it's not just the male character, not just the male guidance counselor who's clueless. <laughs> Even the women are because they don't expect to see it. And sometimes when you're you when you don't expect to see this kind of behavior, you simply don't see it. And Kaylee, are you ready with your next question? Um, yes. Um, what question, I mean, what character did you resonate with the most and why? Um, well, I think I would have to say Mila because um, as I said, when I was writing about Mila, a lot of stuff that I felt when I was 12 just sort of came up. And, and I felt those things again. But I would also say, interestingly, I think, <laughs> I, I, um, I resonated with the mom because, you know, the mom is a good mom and she knows that stuff is going on and she keeps asking her daughter about her relationship with her friends because she just, you know, she's heard about mean girls and she's, you know, she's expecting that the reason that Mila is suddenly self-conscious about her clothing has to do with her friends who may have more money to spend on clothes, or, or that's what's making her self-conscious. And, you know, when she hears about what Mila has gone through, um, she feels terrible. She's really upset at herself for not having picked up on it. And I remember when my daughter was in middle school, one day she said to me, um, I don't want to take the bus anymore. And I just thought, oh, okay, you know, maybe kids are being rowdy on the bus. That's that's fine. I'll pick you up. And later she told me the reason. And it was because of stuff that was happening on the bus, like what happens to Mila. And I felt terrible about it. So sometimes, you know, I think it's really important for kids to know that if something is going on and they tell an adult about it and the adult doesn't get it, they need to say it again and maybe again, and maybe a fourth time. And maybe they need to do it in a way that the adult really hears. Um, and they shouldn't give up. They, sh they should keep trying to communicate about it, even if the adult doesn't hear it the first time. Well, Sophie and Kaylee, those were really thoughtful questions. We'll come back to you both a bit later in the show. Thank you so much. Um, so Barbara, as I am a school librarian, and um, I know that book cover art can interest a student into looking further in a book, and that is so true. The cover art goes a long way. What are your thoughts about the cover art for Maybe He Likes You? I love it. I think it's so powerful and emotional and dramatic. It, it, um, I love the way that it looks like there's graffiti on her back, you know, so she's, she looks violated. Um, Almost like a target. Like a target. It's very subtle. And I love the black and white because I think it's really dramatic. And I love I love all the images around her because those are all important elements of her personality. But they're sort of being, you know, shoved away from her. Um, and the focus is on 
the fact that she's being a target. So I think there's a lot that's communicated in this book. I, I about the book. I, I love the cover, and it's by I should say Erica Pajarillo, who um, just designed the cover of my next book, Violets Are Blue. I'm so excited about it. It's a beautiful cover. I can't wait to share it. <laughs> Well, one of the things that struck me, um, especially after reading the book, was how all of the elements around Mila are almost like in a, a sense of chaos. You know, right. she, it's a very chaotic feeling about all of her interests, all of her passions. Um, and so I thought it really resonated after reading it with like how she felt um, in the moment. Right. Do you ever get a say in how the art is um, in, in the art of a cover? Do you get any say I in that? I got a lot of say in it. That's one one of the the things I value so much about my my publishing team, Simon and Schuster and Aladdin specifically, and my editor um, Allison Heller. They really include me so much in the discussion about the artwork for the cover, which is so important because it's a representation of your story. So um, I love the cover of of My Life in the Fish Tank by Jenna Stemple Lobel. I I love Erica's work for. Um, my um, maybe he just likes you in my next book, Violets Are Blue. Just just love them. And I also love the covers for uh, uh, Halfway Normal and um, Starcrossed. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's the kind of thing that I never thought that I would be doing, but um, participating in conversations about the cover art is one of the, the most fun thing in the whole process. Well, when you find a fabulous book to read, don't you just want to share it? Book clubs are a great way to bring people together to do just that. Students from Key Middle School had a lot to unpack when discussing Barbara Dee's book, Maybe He Just Likes You. Let's take a look. What is a lesson or a takeaway that you have from this book? One thing that I learned is that sexual harassment isn't just like touching and personal space. It's about like how you feel when they talk to you in a certain way. I feel like it was also peer pressure in this book as well. I don't know if it's just me, but my parents always tell me that a true friend is never going to want you to do anything bad and is never going to like want to lead you to get in trouble. There's a lot of anxiety going on when somebody mentions your body because there's also a lot of insecurity going on. And if you think, oh, I'm just being too sensitive about it, another thing that my mom tries to instill in me is if you're uncomfortable with something, talk about it because that's how you feel and your feelings are valid. And I feel like Mila didn't know that. If something has crossed what you morally think is wrong, try to at least report it or tell someone instead of trying to solve it yourself. I think one of the most important things about the story is you can be cool or something by, you know, being nice to people instead of just like hurting people. If you respect others, they'll respect you back. And so I try to respect everyone in general. But my first respect is like my parents. Make sure you're friends with people who don't make you feel like you have to act in front of them. So you can be yourself in front of them so you don't have to hurt other people in the process of having fake friends. You should never ever allow anybody to disrespect you in a way where you do not feel comfortable. I think sexual harassment should be taken very seriously. And also it shouldn't just be taught like just to girls but boys too because like anyone can experience sexual harassment. Barbara, how does it feel to hear young people discuss their thoughts about your book? It's very moving to me. Um, I, 
I know that a lot of kids are having great conversations about it. I know both boys and girls are reading it. I'm also really excited that a number of teachers are reading it. I know that there are faculty book clubs that are having discussions about it. And, you know, I think this is a conversation that we need to have with girls as well as boys, but we also need to have it with the adults in their lives because, you know, grownups need to be aware that kids in this age group are experiencing this and they need to have their eyes open and their ears open so that when kids come to them, if they're a little uncomfortable about talking, the grownups are alert and they're listening for signs of sexual harassment. So Barbara, briefly, could you, um, when you write your characters and, and the dialogue, they sound so authentic. How hard or easy is writing that dialogue to reflect a middle school voice? Well, I think it's the most important thing about, about writing for this age group. If you don't have the voice, if you sound like an adult, you lose your reader. If you don't sound authentic, it's over. Game is over. <laughs> so that's the thing. That, no, it's true. That's the thing yeah. that I work, I work on um, the hardest. And one way that I, I work on it is um, I use a lot of dialogue in my books. Most of, most of my books are dialogue. And um, I like to read scenes out loud because I think your ear picks up stuff that your eye doesn't when you're just looking at the computer screen. Mm -hmm. So if I read dialogue that I've written out loud, I can hear if it sounds a little stilted, if it doesn't sound like somebody just talking. Um, and, you know, if, 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 if somebody is using um, a word like cannot instead of can't, your ear will pick up on it and the rhythm is just off. And, and you have to fix that because the voice is the single most important element in a middle grade novel, I think. Well, I agree. Um, let's get back to our student questions. Kaylee and Sophie, take it away. We're ready for you. I think Kaylee, you have the first question. Um, yes. Um, what are the pros or cons of being an author? Well, you know, this is going to sound obvious, but the, the biggest pro is that you get to write um, as a living. If you like to write, it's, it's a great privilege to be able to do that as your career. And the other great thing is, of course, being able to connect with your readers. So, you know, I love to visit schools. I love to go to book festivals and to talk to readers who are right in front of me. I love that, you know, that really face-to-face -face kind of connection. Um, so those are the, the, the two biggest pros. I think one of the um, challenges that you have if you're a professional writer is that from the time that you write something to the time that it's actually published, it can be something like a year and a half or two years. And that's a long time to wait. I think a lot of students understand this. If you write something and you're really proud of it, you're excited about it, you wanna share it immediately. You want that immediate reaction from a reader, um, but if you're a published author, you have to wait a long time to get the reaction. So that, that can be hard. And Sophie, I believe you have a question. Yes, my question is how, like, do you set up schedules to write certain portions of your books? Like you set up schedules to write chapters? I don't. Um, there are two kinds of writers 
um, usually they're called um, pantsers because they write by the seat of the pants and they don't have any schedule. They just write. <laughs> <laughs> and the other kind are called plotters and they plot everything out. And I'm somewhere in between. I go back and forth. Some books I, I really do write a whole synopsis and, you know, have it really pretty much plotted out. Um, when I wrote Starcrossed, I used the Shakespeare play Romeo and Juliet as my outline and, and just sort of followed along um, scene by scene, which was very easy. Um, but <laughs> I, because <laughs> Shakespeare did the plotting for me, but um, I go back and forth. And what I'm writing now, um, the book that will come out in 2023, I'm doing it completely seat of the pants style. And I thought I was over that. I thought now I'm a plotter, but I'm not. I, I go back and forth. And um, Kaylee, do you have another question for Ms. D? Um, yes. What is the most difficult part of writing a book or getting it published? Um, I'd say, you know, really the, the, the most difficult thing is dealing with rejection because you do get a lot of rejection before you get published and then after you get published, you get criticism. So first it's rejection, then it's criticism. And all of that is very hard on the soul. Um, but in addition to that, I would say that the hardest thing for me is usually coming up with a title. Sometimes I have a title from the beginning with Maybe He Just Likes You. I had the title almost before I started writing and it, the title helped me sort of focus on what the story was gonna be about. But sometimes I will get to the end of writing a whole book and I think I have a title and then I hear from my editor, mm, can you think about another title maybe? And it, it's just torture. <laughs> I drive my family crazy um, trying to think of the perfect title. Um, and then once you come up with the title, you can't imagine a different title. It, it seems like the title was always meant to be, but the process of coming up with a title for a book can be very difficult. <laughs> it, almost, it almost sounds like naming a child. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's very much like that. <laughs> and um, Sophie, I believe you have another question. Yeah, uh, what inspired you to write about such a tough topic like sexual harassment? Well, a few years ago, my oldest kid, my son, um, had cancer. And up until that point, I had been writing books that were mostly light and funny. And then we went through this experience. And I, and I looked at all the kids on the floor. He was on the pediatric cancer floor. And I looked around and I saw all these kids on that floor who had cancer. And I thought, boy, you know what? <laughs> kids go through stuff. It was a revelation. I thought, you know, kids are living in the same world we are. They get sick the same way we do. They are exposed to the same news stories we are. They are exposed to the same climate change we are. All these things that we think of as adult issues are kid issues too, and kids are aware of it. And it's really important to address these topics with kids because it's not as if kids aren't thinking about these things. So um, it just, that experience, my son's experience completely changed the way that I wrote books and the way that I thought about why I was writing books. And I'm really glad that um, I came to that realization because I think writing books about real topics allows kids to 
discuss those topics in a way that isn't necessarily personal. So you can have a conversation about Mila and what she's going through with her friends and what she's going through with the boys and what she's going through with the adults who aren't listening. And you can talk about that stuff and not be pointing your fingers at your friends or your classmates or your parents or your teachers. So it, it allows people to have conversations in a way that isn't threatening or, or too personal. And that's really important. And I think that's really helpful for kids in middle school. Well, those were really great questions. Thank you so much, students. It was wonderful to have your input. Barbara, you recently came out with a new book, My Life in the Fish Tank. Would you briefly be able to tell us about it? My Life in the Fish Tank is about a girl named Zinni who has um, three other siblings. And her oldest is a brother who is a freshman in college who has recently been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And the book is about how the other kids in the family and the parents deal with that, especially given that the parents tell the other kids to keep it private, which to Zinni sounds the same as secret. And when she feels like she can't talk to her friends about it, it has all kinds of repercussions in her life. But the one thing that's good is that she has a great relationship with her science teacher and they're doing experiments with crayfish. And somehow these experiments help her to sort of come to terms with her brother's um, situation. Well, I just finished it and I thought it was phenomenal. So I can't recommend it more. So everyone Thank you. and read that one as well. Um, we're almost out of time, but one question students always ask, do you have any advice for aspiring writers? I would say the most important thing is to get comfortable sharing your work. Find a friend, a teacher, a parent, somebody that you can show your work to and get feedback. And when you get that feedback, try to listen to it and don't feel defensive about your work. Don't feel as if you're being attacked. If they say something that's critical, try to use it because anytime anybody gives you feedback, it's a gift. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with us about your books. And thank you, Sophie and Kaylee for joining us today. It was a pleasure to speak with all of you. Thank you so much. If you would like to learn more about Barbara D, visit her website. To learn more about our upcoming programs, visit the Fairfax Network. For the Fairfax Network, I'm Emily Godfrey. Keep reading, keep writing, and keep dreaming. Thanks for watching.